Welcome to Emake Cast. My name is Chris Gralti. I'm here today with Dr. Aminias Hari, who has come back for a second episode with us、um, to talk a little bit about our experience、uh, rotating together or working together back in the fall.、Um, Dr. Aminias Hari, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Chris. Nice to be with you. You wouldn't mind for our listeners who maybe didn't hear, haven't、uh, heard your previous、uh, episode with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about a, your journey through medicine? Sure.、Um, I'm an emergency medicine physician. I guess that's appropriate for this cast.、Um, I was I went to Northwestern Med School in Chicago and、uh, did residency in University of North Carolina Hospitals in Chapel Hill, North Carolina.、I'm、from Oregon originally, so my wife and I、uh, during residency decided we would try to move back to Oregon. She liked it、um, also, and、um, so applied to different hospitals. Ended up at Legacy Emanuel Hospital System and work in both the adult and children's、uh, EDs there. And I have so this is my seventeenth, completing close to my seventeenth year now uh, in uh, Legacy、uh, Emanuel System. So this was my first job out of residency. I'm still there, so I think that's probably I guess that's atypical to be at your first job for, for out of residency and stay there for seventeen years. But it's been a great job. I feel lucky to have ended up here and and、uh, get a chance to work with、uh, great medical students like yourself. So much, yeah. Well, on behalf of、uh, Portland, we're glad that you decided to come back. Wow, on behalf of <laughs> yeah, 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 I can speak for all of Portland.、Um, they all said it was okay.、Um, so,、uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on our on our podcast was because I, with you in my preclinical preceptorship last fall, and you do something very unique with your medical students—a specific form of torture that I that I found really interesting, and I wanted、uh, to hear. More about your thoughts on that. So, why don't you, for our listeners, explain briefly what your what our one homework assignment as our as、uh, preceptees of yours? Sure. Yeah. So my one homework homework assignment for preceptees,、um, um, so which are typically first or second year medical students. Maybe your listeners know that, but I don't know that that's typical everywhere、uh, medical schools.、Um, but、uh, is、um, so I'll get a first or a second year medical student, and they'll come and spend a term with me. Average about once a week for part of a shift or a whole shift every two weeks or so,、um, and so yeah. The one thing I feel like early on in medical school, a lot of what you're learning is what does it mean to a physician,、um, or at least that's forming. Whether you're asking that question consciously, you're certainly observing and imitating and absorbing norms of. Our current medical culture,、um, and so、uh, so anyway, my one homework assignment is to take the Declaration of Geneva Physicians' Oath, which is something that a lot of us, a lot of medical schools, and I think OHSU also.、Um, Use that as your oath that you say at your white coat ceremony at the beginning of medical school. Often you might say it at graduation too. And my experience with it was, I said it. It was. I think I was inspired by it when I had my white coat ceremony. But then I never heard about it again, or I never. I completely forgot about it. And then when it showed up at graduation, I was like, oh yeah, there's that thing. <laughs> and, That didn't feel quite right,、um, and what's evolved for me over time is a sense that is an、uh, is an exploration in my own career and also in my interaction with learners, pre med students, and medical students、um, of what how do we bring those ideals that are inspiring to us into our daily practice, and so a habit that I've developed over time. Coming out of conversations, actually, with medical students and and pre med students, been to memorize that that oath and to just recite it before every shift. So I don't get out of the car now before I say that say that oath and try to reflect on it.、Um, and that's been a really 
inspiring and helpful um, practice uh, for me. And so I feel like it's been helpful for me. It's uh, make that the homework assignment for the medical students <laughs> who get assigned to me. And, and then I get to learn from those medical students too, because I, first of all, did it feel like to actually memorize this oath rather than just kind of recite this thing that's put in front of you that you may not have known about ahead of time? Um, and then what does it feel like to say it before every shift, which is also part of the homework assignment, is actually to use it the way I use it. And then, and then you can, then those medical students can decide what they want to do with it for the rest of their career, but they're introduced to the idea that that high ideals in medicine um, don't have to be divorced from daily practice. And in fact, daily practice is enhanced and um, it probably helps protect you against jadedness and cynicism and I think makes you a better physician when you stay really connected in an immediate way to those ideals that you probably came into medicine with and sometimes you can lose track of. Great. Yeah, I think um, definitely had that experience with this. And I'm sure that there are many of our listeners, medical students or otherwise, who, you know, say that oath that first time and then never and read it you know from the book while we're standing with all of our family at our white coat ceremony and like the last thing we're thinking about is the ceremony and what we're doing and reading out loud what i'm thinking about is like what is my mom doing over there with that camera Mm -hmm. and she's not using it right and oh no and kind of the silly things like that and I, i i i feel like i hadn't listened i hadn't thought about the oath until like our preceptorship together um uh, it, it was very interesting for me, interesting practice for me. I do mm-hmm. think it made me consider a lot what I was doing to mm-hmm. take a take a beat before a shift and think, what am I doing? What am I about to do here? Mm-hmm. And for what? Yeah. Um, so one one other thing that I I learned in, in rotating with you is that you, this program that you've started, um, Legacy Emanuel and, and with the Randall Children's Hospital, um, the people work there as well, um, that you have with scribes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think again, out of these discussions um, with, and I talked about this in you know in my conversation with one of your predecessors uh, for this podcast a number of years ago, um, who himself was a former scribe, and so he had kind of had that experience too. Scribes are interesting because they're pre med students and they come in generally. I mean, they're young. They come in with generally idealistic, excited about the piece of medicine and diving in. And medical students have the opportunity to gradually be introduced to the current culture of medicine. Um, I think that's just kind of the way it happens in medical school. It's a little more gradual. And the scribes, after a very brief training, are just thrown into the hospital environment. And in my case, in the scribes I work with, the emergency medicine, emergency department environment, which might even be a little more chaotic and in your face than some of the other areas where you might practice medicine. So these scribes had... Um, they have had a, a range of experiences, and they get to experience a lot that's exciting about medicine immediately, which is which is really neat. But then a lot of scribes also had the experience of seeing behaviors or attitudes or... Um, um, they were confronted with elements of the current culture of medicine that maybe didn't feel quite right, or that seemed at odds with what they expected or the ideals that they were that they had ahead of time. Um, but mostly, what they did was what you expect good students to do, which is observe and then 
absorb those norms and then imitate them. And so you would see medical or you would see these pre-med students, these scribes, start to take on the attitudes of the attendings they were working with or nurses or techs or whatever. And um, some of those are great. And then some of them maybe were, were less, you know, less ideal or simply not good. For example, um, one of the things that I think is be very disturbing is the way patients might be spoken about outside of their presence. I think that's a that's a consistent one that I think um, people can be shocked by when they find um, um, you know, patients maybe are spoken at times in not the best way. So exploring with them um, is that right? If that's part of the current culture of medicine, um, was the ideal of this kind of the interaction between the physician and patient being kind of a really sacred thing? And then was that naive? Was that just kind of this thing of the past and that the real medicine is speaking about patients in a different way or thinking of them in a different way? So just asking those questions and starting conversations um, uh, is observing that scribes were having this experience and some of them were getting kind of jaded or cynical very quickly, like within a few months of being a scribe. And it felt like, well, that doesn't seem right. We're not doing a good job in this program. If that's, if they're leaving at the end of a year and feeling jaded about the practice of medicine, something is going wrong. So this program developed, it was, it was somewhat with my conversations with scribes, but also as a kind of a working group of scribes and director of the medical director of the scribe program. And I kind of have developed over time a more systematic approach to um, discussions with scribes as large groups and small groups and then I continue them as you know with the individual scribes that I work with and we've centered this around the declaration of Geneva physicians oath so we use that as kind of the basis of okay here are I here are I here are our ideals in medicine and you're going to go in saying this oath when you start medical school, if you go to medical school. Um, and so let's think about this ahead of time. You know, let's think about this and um, think about, are these achievable? Are these attainable, these ideals? And if they are, what are the challenges we're going to face to actually meeting them? And um, and none of us is ever going to be perfect, but should we be putting in effort to strive to get to these ideals? And if so, what kind of effort? And how might we pre prepare ourselves for the challenges that everybody's going to face? So these are some of the questions we're exploring together. And of course, nobody has all the answers to these things. But um, response has been, um, I'd say, almost Know, universally positive. Uh, it feels right to be focusing on these things. And so then it becomes this exploration together of, of how, how can we implement these as opposed to, you know, there are a few people, occasionally you'll have a, have a discussion with someone who questions whether even these ideals are um, relevant, but that's, that's the rare he came into being a scribe quite jaded about, you know, human, the human condition, and, you know, <laughs> whatever. But I mean, that's those, even those people I think are, are useful in the discussion because there's, they raise some legitimate questions about what's our, what's our relationship with our fellow human beings. And, and uh, we explore those kinds of things. So it's exciting and it feels meaningful because you're taking these early learners who are going to be medical students and they go into OHSU medical school having 
ideally, or any medical school they go to, having actually spent a bunch of time, hopefully, if they've engaged in this program over time, um, thinking about this oath already. So when they say it, it will inevitably have more meaning and impact. And um, um, so anyway, it's it's still kind of a nascent program, but it's it's developing steadily over time. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's it's cool to think about it me in terms of this program being like at a macro level trying to like uh, inoculate these mm-hmm. future physicians these mm-hmm. scribes who are pre-med who are you know still far ways away from having their own practice and saying in the very start before you get into this start thinking about why why do we do this and like what drives us and how to, how to be kind of patient and understanding and um, not sort of just like a vaccine a little mm-hmm. bit for our future doctors and at a yeah. macro level that's what we're doing that's what you're mm-hmm. doing with this program but then also at a at an everyday micro level you're you're asking your scribes and medical students to before you come in take a little dose like mm-hmm. just take a take a moment to to touch back on that odd idealistic um, thing that we we're striving to achieve in what we do i think that's that's amazing and really cool yeah. um and and it seems so simple i mean when you first told me that this was going to be our homework my homework assignment for our preceptorship i remember being a little bit like well that's yeah that that sounds cool i guess and a little bit like that that's a little weird but all right like i'll do that like sure i'll memorize a thing i know how to i'm a medical student i can memorize a thing sure um and and even and and from in the first like two or three shifts where i would like most successfully say it to myself before without like looking at anything it was still rote it was very like i'm just memorizing these words Mm -hmm. and then after that it started for me to really like think about different lines and which ones like stood out to me and i was like oh man that's interesting like just hadn't really attended to what the words were until now even Mm -hmm. after repeating it a couple times and memorizing it Um, such a small thing to do that but it actually i don't know personally i found it to be useful yeah like and, and genuinely like put me a little bit in a good you know headspace or whatever you would want to call it before a shift because you know we do especially in the emergency department right you see lots of challenging things mm-hmm. challenging diseases yeah. and, uh, and and uh, psychology and, and things like that um yeah, I'm, I'm glad curious. to hear that yeah oh i was just gonna say no yeah. i'm glad to hear that um and i think that's i was just gonna say that for that that process hasn't stopped for me either like i think there's there are times when it's more rote because you know you're saying it you know before every shift so obviously you're in a different space you know, diff- at different times um and uh oh you're bring- are you bringing up the oath of geneva there on your computer so <laughs> you don't have it still memorized i do have it still oh, memorized. Oh, well, yeah, this is part- i was about to quiz you we were so. about to quiz me. Okay. that would be great for i think they'd love to hear me live quiz um, um so <laughs> uh no i was gonna say the um you know, for me, certainly there are days that are that are rote in terms of me saying it, but more often than not, there's a line still that strikes me because your experience as a physician in your career continues to evolve. You have different patients, you have you're in a different space, you know, every several years in your career and how you feel and just evolving as a human being. So um so it becomes then, I think, what's useful about it is it becomes this kind of um, yeah, centering thing and this thread that can go through your career. And it feels like a gift to yourself also, because you certainly see physicians who become medicine, taking care of other human beings is hard work. So that's, I think, one of the things we talk about with the scribes, too, that ideals are of no value if they are in a naive, abstract, la-la land that doesn't address 
doesn't acknowledge the stress and challenge and fatigue of taking care of our fellow human beings in the context of medicine, um, as well as the fatigue of going through training, medical school and residency. Those are absolutely stressful, difficult, hard things. So the question is not so I think if you don't acknowledge that, then the ideals can be dismissed. You say, well, sure, of course, you know, we should try to serve our fellow human beings. But what about when they're, you know, swearing at you or lying to you, you know, like in the ER, you have some challenging patients sometimes. Um, so I think exploring those kinds of questions and saying, well, you know, how is it that I can live up to my my the highest ideals in the context of difficult patients, difficult situations, or when I'm tired, or I had a shift just a few weeks ago where um, it was the end of a long string of, I think I worked like 10 shifts in 11 days, which is not not at all ideal in terms of bringing the best of yourself, but <laughs> it just happened that to fall that way. And so the, it was the last hour of my last shift in that stretch. And um, and they, I had two patients that were signed out to me by a resident that there was a certain plan. I knew in myself I hadn't I hadn't explored whether that those plans were were good enough, you know, whether that whether they made sense for these patients. And the easy or lazier thing would have been, I'm, they sound that sounded pretty good, and I think I'll let it go. I knew that wasn't. I mean, I knew it wasn't right, you know. Or I mean, you can see. I think there are situations like that where you can kind of convince yourself in medicine, like unless you're unless you're disciplined and. Um, and the line, the line from the oath that just kept going through my mind was the health and well-being of my patient will be my first consideration, right? Which is one of the, it's the second line, I think, is in the oath. And um, and so, that is, and it's just like this thing. So even now, I mean, having used this for years, you know, it's um, it helps me in a situation like that. Now, there's also prevention. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're tired, you know, and, you um, um, you know, where you would, you know, potentially be, you know, tempted to like do a lazier thing or do the thing that's easier, you know. Um, uh, and hopefully I wouldn't have done that anyway. But I think it was it's this extra thing that's kind of always pushing you. And it also maybe gives a sweetness to the hard work of of medicine. You're like, you know, because then you go home. I want to go home like as if I've gone to the gym and uh, hard workout. I'm glad it's over. I'm tired. I'm glad I went, you know, as opposed to I hate my life and why did I have to have such a difficult day? And, you know, it gives sweet sweetness and purpose to the challenging, difficult times in medicine. Um, so I think that's one of the gifts of kind of that you give yourself by connecting with ideals like they're in the you know, Geneva. Oath. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly why I opened up the oath for myself mm-hmm. a little bit. And I also, I guess I would ask, I would invite our listeners if they're interested to open up the oath now and just look at some of the lines because definitely feel the same way, especially I was going to bring up also that line of the health and well-being of my patient will be my first consideration. I've been rotating now for about a month for just like my first rotations out of after step one. Um, and I, you know, I'd say almost every day that I've been um, in the hospital, I've heard at least one version of like so-and-so um, is difficult or like a pause in a handoff that kind of indicates to you um, the next patient or family or whoever you're about to speak to, um, it's going to be tough mm-hmm. and with sort of negative way. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed each of those times and thought about to myself about that and how like, well, sure, they're going to be difficult. They're sick. 
Mm-hmm. They're not at their best. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to help them get to this. So yeah, if they're in a bad mood, if they are tired, if they want to go, they want to leave the hospital, they want whatever, of course they do. And it's my job to um, have patient with them and be like comfortable enough to that stuff sort of bounce or let any like negative feelings or, or, or frustrations that they may have bounce off me and put their, not only their health, but also their well-being first, mm-hmm. because those, that's my first consideration. And that's like definitely a line that I've about a lot. Yeah. Um, are there any other, I'm curious, are there any other lines now after uh, what, 20, 20 years of, <laughs> <laughs> of this, of yeah. working in the ED, the ED that you work in? Um, that are there any others me. that have like, yeah, stood out to you? I mean, curious? every one of them at different times, I think is, you know, um, is, kind of hit you um even just the very first one i solemnly pledge to dedicate my life to the service of humanity and um as the students and i have discussed you know it says my life it doesn't say my eight to five or eight to six (laughs) monday through friday or my shifts to the service of humanity it says Mm -hmm. you know my life so what does that imply about the kind of person that you are holistically and your general values in life and also the nature of medicine as a calling i mean that this is not just a normal job you're actually making a decision about giving yourself your whole life you're you know fully to this and that the ethos of medicine is service too which implies humility it implies again the patient before yourself um and um that's i mean that that one probably i if there's one that i just come back to over and over it might be one maybe it's just because at the beginning you know and then i get distracted as i'm saying (laughs) reciting it for the rest of no (laughs) not because of that but because the because it it's uh strikes me um you know i think also um I'm trying to think. I'm just looking with you. Um, I will foster the honor and noble traditions of the medical profession. That one feels like this calling to, I don't know, I, you just, you're doing something important. And, and I think people, a lot of people have jobs that are, be you have to struggle a little bit more to find the meaning in and the sense of you're doing something important. But medicine, I don't think should be one of them. This should be one of the very easiest to find meaning in. And um, so I think that line just reminds you, you're part of this noble, um, you know, noble profession, lucky to be a part of it. Um, um, and, um, and yeah, and it just kind of helps you just recognize that this is a privilege to be a part of it um and um yeah and and i think there's there's a great um there's a great conversation on um khan academy that maybe i told you about when you were a student between um yeah between sal khan mm-hmm. and abraham verghese it's called if you just search um the ritual of the bedside exam um abraham verghese who's a stanford physician has also written a couple of books uh, right talk they talk about he, he compares the exam room and the exam process of examining a patient to he draws analogies to like a religious ritual um essentially saying there are a lot of things that are that are kind of similar about it um but one element of that is it lends kind of lends in an in nonverbal ways um a sense of the sacred to this interaction that really is not a normal interaction between two human beings and i think patients really patients intuitively understand that they may not have articulated it to themselves but they certainly feel it in a negative way when they sense from the physician by what they say or their attitude or that they're being dismissed or that it's not being treated as special so one of the things we've explored um with the scribes in this in this program is 
what is the nature of this kind of sacred space? Um, and how do we, and what are the implications in terms of how we dress, how we speak inside the room, outside of the room, about the patients, right? Does how we speak about the patients outside of the room, you know, if we speak about them in a way that's gossipy or negative, um, you know, uh, is that, um, um, are we undermining the kind of sacredness of that interaction? Mm-hmm. What if they never find out about it? Is it okay? You know, so, I mean, is it all, you know, are we, do we just need to make sure we're out of earshot or does, or are we somehow defiling this really special thing you know so i think most people end up on the latter end of that and then it kind of makes you think well i really want i really want to preserve that's a special thing Mm. and has nothing to do with how the patient really interacted with me you know even if they're difficult right which i mean the reason this comes up in rounds and and or in you know on your rotations is because yeah sometimes people are difficult and and they may be justified because they're sick and they also may be unjustified they might just have a difficult personality (laughs) so i mean that is also the case too that some people are just hard to take care of um and um but even with those, you kind of, by kind of connecting with this sense of like, I'm doing this to live up to the traditions of a noble profession. I'm, I, have, I get to carry the torch of this noble profession for 25 or 30 years or however long you last in emergency medicine or whatever <laughs> specialty you go into. And, um, and, uh, and I want, and so I'm doing it for that. You know, it's, I'm doing it for this higher ideal. If I get a thank you and appreciation, that helps me and it refuels me. And if I, and if it's really hard, you know, and I get a lot of difficult interactions, I better have some days off between my shifts and I better make sure I'm refueling. But either way, I'm bringing the best of myself, not, not for the, not for the thank you, but for something that a higher calling that. So the lines that kind of touch on that are personally inspiring and they motivate me to really try to bring the best of myself to, to my practice. Yeah. That, that exact thought makes me, me think of the line that was actually added right after, um, right after my white coat ceremony, which is the, will attend to my own health, mm-hmm. well-being and abilities in order to provide care of the highest standard. Um, funny that that happened like right after my class. I guess my class is the last class that doesn't need to attend to our own health <laughs> well-being. No, you're, but, say, you're saying that because the the oath of Geneva is revised every ten years, and right, you guys were were you August of 2017 yeah, is when you started medical right, school. Yes. So yeah, this was this the, the new one is revised October 2017. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> that line speaks exactly to what you were just saying about how you know I think there is there was and still is this culture of like. Um, need to power through mm-hmm. for the purpose of, which is you know in theory in, in it's at its heart a good intention of like I, I will work this extra shift i will do my patient is sick and i'm not going to go home i'm going to stay here because right. i'm worried about this person and i know their medical history or whatever and i need to be here for them and kind of that line in, in the oath really comes to think is this is running yourself out, especially in something like emergency medicine where we're working you know long shifts or, or lots of nights and uh, you know changing our sleep schedule or, or whatever all the time um, are, are you really doing what's best for your patient by by compromising yourself um, exactly so that line kind of reminds us towards the end that that lines towards the end which I think is on purpose to sort of say we have these ideals that we want you to live up to but remember that we'll, that you need to take care of you so that you can take care of of other people and and that was 
Definitely. Uh, that line definitely stands out to me. For sure. And you can imagine also how if this is a vision, like let's say your vision is to create a different kind of experience for a patient. I mean, whatever vision we have for the patient experience, we can over time, human beings are infinitely creative and we can kind of create the environments and the structures we want to, to meet our goals. So you can imagine that, I mean, maybe emergency medicine in the future would be, would be, um, structured differently. I mean, nurses, for example, right? So a lot of nurses work 12 hour shifts in the emergency department. How in the world can they give the same energy in, in hour 12, between 11 and 12 hours, you know, into their shift um, as in their first hour, right? I mean, they can, they're great. I mean, that's because because emergency medicine nurses are awesome, right? <laughs> so they do a great job. So it's not anything, but they're, um, but it's hard and it yeah. takes a toll. So, um, and that might not be sustainable over time. So you could imagine that a future hospital will say, we're only going to have you do eight hour shifts, you know, or we're only going to have you do six hour shifts, <laughs> you know, or maybe it's something even more radical. I mean, who knows, you know, same thing with the physicians, but, um, um, form I think follows vision, you know, and, mm. and so if we, um, if we start with what we want patient to experience um one of the one of the projects we had in this scribe program was to to design the physical like a physical hospital um like the physical surroundings of the hospital and choose different things that kind of uh, related to the five senses that uh you know that related to different lines in the oath so of course some of the stuff they came up with was kind of funny or whatever <laughs> like they like they had trouble for taste i think but you know they were because <laughs> but i don't know they thought about chamomile tea and and uh mint i think someone came up with like plant having a mint plant you know because then you could like taste it and smell it and anyway ridiculous stuff like that but anyway it's kind of interesting to think about i think that some of the a lot of the so-called alternative mm -hmm. medical practices are much better at creating an environment that feels healing when you walk in the door where the, that, that's, that was my experience when I went for acupuncture, for example, mm -hmm. once for my back and I walked into the, walked into the, um, uh, waiting room or welcome room or whatever it was and the lobby and there was a secretary and there was, um, like a little brook of water and a comfortable chair and they brought me chamomile tea immediately and, um, and I felt, I, mean, I hadn't even received any medical <laughs> care. I felt great. I felt like I just wanted to stay there and then acupuncture didn't end up doing much for my actual back pain and yet i would count that as one of my like top 10 percent medical experiences of my life right so what does that tell you it tells you that the patient i felt cared for mm -hmm. i felt paid attention to i felt you know all of that thing so um it, it, don't want to lose sight of that that part of the patient experience um you have to marry it obviously with doing the right thing to physically heal the body too and for some people acupuncture works great for back pain but for me it didn't but um but i still i still left feeling cared for and so forth so if we can find a way to marry the two in maybe some of the more traditional allopathic settings um patients will be happier um i think as practitioners will be happier um anyway there is more attention to beauty for example like in the children's er um you mm. see more attention to at least at randall children's you know yeah. there's a difference between the adult er and the randall children's er and high ceilings beautiful paint you know painted walls color colorful stuff we have paintings all over the place and artwork and so forth and uh it helps it helps the practitioners too so uh 
So yeah, it's interesting to think about. Um, uh, but um, uh, yeah, anyway, some of the scribes, I can't remember all of the other things that they came up with for the physical <laughs> parts of the, uh, but they had some good ideas too. I was like, oh, that would be good actually. You know, everyone gets a warm blanket or, you know, yeah. like right away or just stuff that makes you feel cared for. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's a interest, definitely interesting thinking about the environment that we treat our mm-hmm. patients in and funny that you <laughs> had such a great experience. Yeah. <laughs> You're more in the waiting room really is what is your positive experience from that yeah. um, acupuncture. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, great. Well, uh, so I have really enjoyed talking with you more about the oath and I could honestly do it forever, but just for the, <laughs> for the sake of our time and your time, um, I, I guess I would just personally, I would close off by just, inviting maybe whoever is listening to this scribe, medical student, resident, attending, uh, to try it, to, to try before your next shift, before the next time you go in, uh, Google the Oath of Geneva and just read it to yourself out loud. It would be my my, uh, rec- my discharge summary from this conversation for the listeners would be, try just try that because, you know, it might be silly and you might not find it helpful, but I, but I definitely did. And I think it's very easy. It's something very easy that we can do that could help curb a lot of the challenging things about mm-hmm. in, in medicine. Um, any last thoughts from you, Dr. No, Descartes I'm very before? proud of you, Chris. You've become an ambassador <laughs> of the Declaration of Geneva Physicians like, of now. <laughs> I feel like I should say uh, Dr. Azhari has already graded me. Con- conflict <laughs> yeah. of interest disclosure. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I got some cookies and some tea for this in this conversation, but otherwise I'm not being paid to say that. That's just my personal opinion. Um, Thank you so much for being Thank with you us for today, having Dr. Sorry. Podcast. Nice talking to you, Chris.